Juggling motherhood and modern day life can be stressful and relentless, but it doesn't need to be this way. The Joy of Being podcast is the answer to maternal mental health, bringing sustainable relief and calm to hardworking mums everywhere so that you your family and work can thrive. My name's Marina Pearson and I'm your host, transformational coach and mum who loves to interview business owners, transformational professionals and creatives to have insightful conversations about what it takes to really live a life that is thriving, fulfilling and full of joy. And today I've got some amazing news. You can now order your very own version of the Joy of Being book, supporting hardworking mums to stress less and live more. If you're the type of mum who is struggling with the burdens of motherhood or modern day life, then this will be a perfect book for you. If you're curious, you want to know more and you want to see what's up with that book, you can do so at www.marinapearson.com slash book. So welcome everybody. Today I have the beautiful... Farah Halaby. She's a certified inside-out coach who helps stressed-out mums discover their own unique awesomeness to lead them to power and in peace, not in pieces. And I can really resonate with this. And if you're listening in, I'm sure you can too. It just seems like sometimes we are in pieces, right, when we are parenting. But she's managed to actually find a way to do this in a peaceful and loving way. And the reason why I reached out to her was because I read a really cool article that she wrote about fussy eaters and how there are no fussy eaters and how we as parents can actually move beyond that label and experiment with our kids, especially when it comes to their eating. Now, as an aside, I chose this subject because I kind of wanted to know more about it as Leo is a bit of a fussy eater. Um, But during this, this podcast episode, we discussed how we can move beyond the fussy eating ideas that we can throw out in terms of how we can uh, make it fun for them and a whole bunch more. So if you are a mom who does have a fussy eater and you are totally frazzled by all of this, then this is going to be an amazing episode for you. Enjoy. So welcome everyone. I'm so excited. I've got Farah so Halabi here. It is Halabi. Right? Oh. <laughs> yep, yeah, Halabi is cool. So interestingly enough, you know how these things happen where I was speaking to a colleague of mine, I think it was Sarah Fit years ago. Oh, okay. And she told me about this woman in the community and I couldn't remember what her name was. Anyway, she, there was a woman in the community that we're all part of that share this understanding about how our experience works. And she told me about you and I, cause at the time, I think I could have really done with a dose of your wisdom and then, wow. I, and then I forgot. And then you popped up again, um, two years later. Oh, wow. <laughs> so interestingly enough, I, I reached out to Far because she wrote this wonderful blog about, um, you know, eating like kids eaters. eating, not mm-hmm. eating, battle of wills eating. And I know that that's a big thing for me and my son. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, I was telling her before the, for, before the episode, I selfishly reached out to her because I wanted to see something new for myself in this, in this area. Because recently I've come to see that I've probably got a little bit of conditioning around what my child should and shouldn't eat, mm-hmm. how they should eat it, when they should eat it, um, 
how much they should eat, mm-hmm. uh, blah, 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 because of my own conditioning. Mm-hmm. So I thought this would be an amazing topic for us to talk about because I know so many mums struggle with this, especially with younger kids. So welcome, Farha. Like, I'd love you to share what you're up to in the world, why you got into what you did, and let's start there. Bless you. Thank you. Hello, and lovely to meet you. It's lovely to put um, a voice to the face and on a one-to-one level, because I've heard of, you know, watched a lot of your podcasts, and it's nice to actually, yeah, just, hello. hello. <laughs> Sorry, my name's Farah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really excited. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> um, right, my name's Farah Halaby, and I'm um, an inside-out parent coach. That sounds really poncy, doesn't it? But yes, it's parenting from the inside out, and it's just an understanding to help mums really uncover their own awesomeness because I think we were talking about this earlier about how there's a lot of expectation there's a lot of self-doubt there's a lot of things that we feel that we should be doing and every time that we're not hitting these imaginary milestones we just get lower and lower and lower and so I was one of those mums um I used to fly for a living I was cabin crew for um the world's favorite airline for a long time and I took redundancy from the job to be a stay-at-home mum to my now four children and it was it was a bit of a shock to the system let's just say not what I thought it would be at all I don't know if I thought I was going to be some kind of Mary Poppins figure or some kind of mother earth mother nature figure but I was the Hulk in a hijab basically I just really just turned into this awful person so yeah I started on a journey for you know my own self came across this understanding, this understanding, and it helped not only within my parenting, but within, you know, every aspect of my life, really. But it really led me to really want to, I mean, I thought, I got to the point where I really thought that my children would be better off with other people. So I made a list of the people that I was going to give my children to, because obviously I was so rubbish, they couldn't be with me. And at that point, it was a real wake up call, because yeah, it was just not a good place that I was in. And then, you know, thanks to God, I, you know, um, just, uh, yes, this understanding literally fell in my lap, really. And it's been a wonderful journey since. And so now I just hope that I can help other mums really uncover their own awesomeness, really, because we've all got it in with this, within us. Yeah, I can really hear that because I remember thinking the same thing. In fact, when I, when Leo was about one, it was literally like, actually, he's better off with other people right now because I can't actually deal with this at all. The crying, the no sleeping, the, um, I was just absolutely exhausted. So for any of you mums out there that are listening to this right now and you're in that place, it's all good because there is a solution to this, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So I know that there are other episodes you can listen to where this understanding, we also talk about this understanding, but today I really wanted to focus on this whole piece of the eating. Mm -hmm. So what, it's interesting to me because you picked on that particular piece to write Mm -hmm. the blog about, and I'm curious where that came from. I'm curious about why it was a topic that you felt that needed to be uncovered, explored. Um, Yeah. There are lots of reasons, I suppose, but eating really was an issue that it seemed to be one of those things that suddenly sprung up on me as a thing that I needed to be in control of or 
that defined the type of mum that I was. It's like, you know, if my children eat a balanced, healthy meal, they eat up all of their dinner, they, you know, they have good table etiquette and manners. And, you know, it's like a tick list on the job of good mumming for that day. So it became really a lot about how it defined me as a mum. And it was just another thing that I found within my whole parenting journey to I needed to master it almost so that it would validate me as a good mum and if my children weren't eating properly it's like with lots of other things like sleeping um you know how they interacted with their siblings but food was a real biggie because it was really my I'll give you a little bit of background. I'm um, my parents are Mauritian my husband is half Palestinian and half English we have various different um food lives and dislikes well, likes and dislikes. And so it was all about trying to, food just became this, it wasn't just getting nutrients into their body. Food took on this whole different level. It was a cultural statement. It was a healthy statement. It was a control statement. It was a, it was everything that you wouldn't imagine a cheese sandwich to mean, you know, like it was just (laughs) so far from just popping the dinner on the table and saying, eat up kids. And, you know, it became this element of, it said something about me. It said something about my mothering. It said something about, yeah, my mumming. And it was so far from what I really wanted. And now thinking about it, what did I really want? Really? I just wanted to feed my kids. But it got so far beyond that. So I'll give you an example. My, I've got, I've got four kids. My eldest is 11. There's a four year gap between himself and my um, second um, do- um, child, his little girl. And so when he was a baby, um, he would eat pretty much anything, really. He wasn't a particularly what you would call a picky or fussy eater. But I didn't realize it at the time. What is a fussy or picky eater you know when you say oh well my child eats everything and then you get another parent go well my child eats nothing and you're like well really do they eat everything and what does that really mean you know you'd you'd wear it as a badge of honor you know you'd go to a restaurant and you know you've got the kids that are sitting there fighting with their parents not wanting to eat anything and ended up ordering I know something really basic off the menu then you've got a child that's sitting there with you know hors d'oeuvres and you know canapes and you know it's really and and like cucumbers and tomatoes and you're like why did my child not eat that and then you've got comparisonitis and you're like you know your kid's sitting there you know refusing to eat anything and then you end up getting a a cheese sandwich or a portion of chips or whatever it is you know you know you go to foods and you just think wow but really what does food mean because that in a restaurant you've now taken it away from just wanting to get nutrients into your child's body you're now shoving your child's eating prowess off as something that's about you like my child eats everything you know my child eats olives my child eats you know all of these weird and wonderful things but ultimately you're not really praising your child's ability to it you know to imbibe all these lovely things it's like look at my kid look at what wonderful my my have you know this is all on me so it comes very much it it leads you away from what you're really trying to do and all you're trying to do really what is food what is food? What do we need? It's fuel. It's fuel for our body. So whether you get that fuel from once or twice a portion of chips, or if you, you know, manage to get a little bit of lettuce into your child, you know, great. But as adults, I mean, how many adults do you see in restaurants that are picking out bits of food and throwing them on the floor? Not in many restaurants. You might find one or two, but you know, not many. So what is it that you're fearful that your child will never do, that they will never eat 
you know, these weird and wonderful things or that they're unhealthy? What is it that we're worried for our children? For me, for me it's that Leo will be unhealthy. For me, it's like right. that, that okay. he will get to a point where um, what he's ingesting, mm-hmm. and this is interesting actually, because kind of hearing this conversation, it feels like a coaching conversation in fact, actually. <laughs> um, but but for, for, but you know this is useful possibly because I'm the mom that that I that needs to hear this right. So he um, his dad right lives in the US doesn't cook for him at all. Right, it's all microwave food. Right, okay. and they go to restaurants. Okay, so that's that scenario. My scenario mm-hmm. is, and let's talk about my scenario. Go on. My scenario is everything has to be home cooked. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain things that Leo will eat and certain things mm-hmm. that he definitely is, is on the, that's not, that's the made up yeah. list of things I won't eat. So right. he will eat lentils. He will eat um, fruit. So mm-hmm. definitely loves melon. Lovely. Uh, so what I've, what I've basically done is he loves paella. So there are, de- oh, okay. there are definite things that he loves to yeah. eat. And he's open to trying new things. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to greens... When it comes to raw, when it comes to tomatoes or it comes to lettuce or it comes Mm. to uh, cucumbers or anything that's green, got any green in it? Then that's it. Right. Right. Happening. So uh, that's the one, that's one of the things I kind of have had to let go of and go, okay, well, what's an alternative to to green? And then Mm. the second thing has been him asking me to make something. Yeah. This yes, mm-hmm. and it comes, and he's like, "No, I don't want that anymore." Don't want it. Now that that I've I've got the green bit sort of mm-hmm. over there. Okay, this yep. because when we're at a restaurant, mm-hmm. that costs me money. Yeah. So anyway, there I am mm-hmm. sitting there with this going on. So yes, far, what do I do? <laughs> so you've gone from green and then the red mist then suddenly comes down with regards to, you know, you've ordered this, you've told me you want it. What's going on now? And children help yourself, aren't they? <laughs> they've got their own little world of thinking. They've got their own little, you know, we talked about this before, but children, what control do they have in their lives that they can exhibit freely? I know that, you know, they wake up and they do things, you know, if they have a routine, if they go to school, you know, they they have to follow a certain pathway. When it comes to food, it's almost like all of these, all of the lack of control that they have in their life, they, you know, when that comes up, when food comes up, it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to eat it. I don't have to. It's my mouth. You can't make me. And you can't. Have you tried to force feed a child? It's, you know, it's like trying to lasso an octopus. You know, it's, it's, not a, it's not an easy thing. But I'm just wondering, when Leo does say, I want this, and, you know, you talk about the whatever it is that he wants, does he usually go for the foods that you think he would eat? Or are they, like, when he's asked you, you know, so it's something that's a bit bizarre or a bit out there that he's gone for no it's usually what he asks for right so when he asks for the food the thing the thing that he's asked for is it something that you know that he would generally like yeah usually because I ask him what right. do you want and so he tells right. me and then I do it and then he goes I don't want that anymore right okay and so what comes up for me is that I've spent like 
Yes, yes, because, yeah. Um, apple juice. So mm -hmm. we'll do the apple juice. He asked me for it. I'll do it for yeah. him. And then doesn't want it. And, no. and that's happened twice already. Okay. So, so that's interesting to me. Um, Does he not drink anything then? Do you, do you offer an alternative? Offer right. Him, give him water, whatever. Right. You know. Okay. But what gets to me is that I've spent all that time <laughs> yeah. doing something when I could have been actually like yeah. doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that, that, that. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how to change his mind back, only that he is the master of his thinking right then. At that point, he's ordered the apple juice. You know, does, does he, I know you said that he goes to restaurants a lot with his dad. So he's, you know, that's not a weird scenario for him. It's not like, oh, this is, you know, out of the ordinary. This is kind of like a treat or this is, um, you know, something not quite special, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's part and parcel of his everyday life. So it's not like he's overexcited and kind of like, oh, I'll have this, this and this. And then when it comes, you're like, no, actually, I don't want it. So it's something that you know that he will like. At that point, he may very well have just changed his mind, but his changing his mind for that means nothing to you. Obviously, it's just he's changed mind. But for you, it means money that you've spent. And it's like, you've just asked me for it. What is, what's Time going on? It's like, you know... You know, it's just like, hello. But again, it's separate realities, isn't it? It's like something that he wanted at that time. He doesn't want it anymore. I know that sounds really kind of, well, blasé, but that's the, that's the truth of it. It's as simple as, oh, that's it. Have you ever ordered something when it comes in front of you like, wish I'd ordered something else, but because no. you paid for it? Well, well, really? Are you? Yes. Oh, okay. I get jealous about what somebody else's order. But I yeah, food envy. Definitely. I do that all the time. It's like when I go out with my husband, I'm like, okay, you choose something really different and I have something really different. Then I can nick a bit of yours. It's like, no, just choose what you want and eat it. Like, but, but I know what will happen when it comes. I will want what you've got. And it's, you know, it's like that, you know, you, something will send up, or, you know, will turn up in front of you. And at that moment, you're like, I can't see it. But then there's this other thing around, I want chocolate. That's what I'm hungry. I want chocolate. Ah, right. And, and, then, and then, um, yes. I'm hungry. I want chocolate. And then, um, me having to negotiate chocolate after he's eaten and, right. and, and then going, oh, I'm not hungry anymore, but now can I have my ice cream? Yeah. Yes. Because yes. Oh my God. Yes. All the time. And we have, so I'll explain what dinner times are like in our house, maybe, and that might help a little bit because I used to go through this all the time. If you're not going to eat all your dinner, then you're not having any dessert. Or if you're, you know, you kind of barter, don't you? And yes. it, then by that bartering, by that eat a little bit at least or eat this much, you know, 50% of it, eat half and then you'll get something. Or because if you don't eat anything, you're definitely not going to get any chocolate. But this half, Oh, I'm not hungry. So then the food hungry. It's not that they don't even, you know, they're not even thinking about it. They want the chocolate. That's the main, that's the main deal for them. You know, they're super, you know, focused on chocolate. And it's like, okay, well, if I can ditch them, you know, the green stuff or the, the, the hearty meal or, you know, the main meal and go straight to the chocolate, that's what I'm going to do. That's, I just want it. I don't want, don't want this. <laughs> but for us, it means, well, you know, you can't be that hungry if you've, you know, if you've not eaten that and you're going straight for the, um, sorry, you must be, uh, they don't view it the same way as us, sorry, and I'm rambling now, but they don't 
view it the same way as us. They don't see the main meal, not eating the main meal, as they won't get any nutrients, they won't get any um, you know, vitamins and all the rest of it. They just want chocolate. It's as simple as that. They just want the dessert. If the dessert's not there in the first place, maybe that could be um, another way of getting around it. So we don't have dessert after every meal. And we sometimes have dessert before the meal. And I know that sounds really silly, but with four kids trying to get them to eat all the same food at the same time, it used to be a real struggle. And what we do now is we put everything on the table. So they help themselves to the bits that they want. And I will put out a varied, you know, I'm not saying that you need to be cooking seven or eight different dishes. It's what they would eat anyway it's it's stuff that i know that they like but i divide it into like rice in one bowl um you know make protein in another salad in another and they take bits the only proviso the only rule that i have is if you take it you eat it don't take any more you know even if you take a little bit but if you take it please eat it because i'm giving you the the choice i suppose you know the control over plating up your own plate i know it's different in a restaurant but we have desserts on at the same table. So there are times where they will have a tiny bit of cheesecake and they will have, I don't know, fish fingers on, on the same plate. And I know that sounds really bizarre, but they eat it all. And it took me a long time to get there because I was very much the mum that was, you will eat what I cook, you will eat when I say, and you will eat all of it. And if you don't, you are going to bed with no dessert. And I ended up having a lot of unhappy kids. And a lot of unhappy times in the kitchen. It was not, you know, meal times were horrible. They were absolutely awful. They can still be a little bit not great right now, but they are infinitely better than they used to be. So when Leo comes to you and he's like, I'm not hungry, but I'll have the chocolate. It's because he wants the chocolate. If the chocolate wasn't on offer in the first place, maybe there would be a room, there would be room for manoeuvre with regards to what he would eat. But it doesn't mean the same for him that it does for you. That's really interesting. So what I really heard in that was that actually maybe I can shift things around and say, yes, you can have the chocolate before dinner, but you've got to eat your dinner afterwards. So the yeah, negotiation... Maybe a little bit of chocolate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm going to have a little piece now. The negotiation can completely change. And what I also heard was that he can choose the amounts that he actually, the portions yeah. that he has yeah. on his plate. I love that. Um, choice in terms of what there is available. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Because usually, like, I usually do something different for him. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Why is that? Let's have a look. Why is that? Is it because you think he won't? Yeah. Like, there are things that I won't, definitely won't eat um, that he likes to eat. Uh, Okay. But that's okay for you. That's okay for me. Like, I'm all good with that. Um, And. Because I realized that, you know, there are certain things like um, baked beans. I definitely, it's just like not really my gig. Uh, but okay. I know Leo likes them. So, okay. Right. Okay. Um, I, know, I know he loves rice. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't want to eat rice. So yeah. there are definitely, uh, there are definitely things that I know that mm-hmm. there are times where he does eat what I've made because yeah. I know everybody will like it. There mm-hmm. are other times it's very specific. There are times that he eats and then he wants some of what I have. So I'm quite fluid in that way. Lovely. Um, But what I love about what you've said is what resonated for me was what rule do I have about him not eating? Maybe it's the fear that if he eats the chocolate, he won't eat his dinner. And so then he won't get the nutrients that he needs. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it changes a bit because if, if you've already given him a little bit of the chocolate, you're on a great footing already. You know, it's like, wow, okay, cool, I've got this. Lovely. Right, there's an there's an openness. It's like yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. yeah, right. And so I find myself also, which is really interesting, kind of going. He's only taken like three mouthfuls going, mm-hmm. have five more and then we're done. Right. Love that. We've all been there, haven't we? It supposes that we know how much we'll fill our child I up. I know. Doesn't it? And, and it's like, myself. you know, yeah. How do we know that five mouthfuls is going to be the optimum amount of food that he will need to eat to survive? You know, five mouthfuls is it? Or, you know, have just one more mouthful or just two more mouthfuls and that will be okay. Because it's not... What we're saying is it's okay for us. That's that's significant and that's not significant. Sorry, that's enough for me. I know that if you eat two mouthfuls, you've got something, or five mouthfuls, you've got something at least to keep you going. I feel like, you know, I'm doing a good job here. It's fine. But five mouthfuls, really, it's like looking at a plate and thinking how much will fill you up. And stomachs are different sizes, you know, appetites are different, you know, but we presuppose that we know how much is enough for our child. You know, how, how many times have you plated up dinner for yourself? And it, depending on what you're feeling that day, you know, you might plate up a load and leave it. Or you might let you know, plate up a load and eat it all. Or you might plate up something slightly different the next day. It just depends, doesn't it? So we know we're in tune with what we need sometimes. But how do we know what our child really, really needs? We're not in their mind space. It can change from, you know, a day-to-day basis. So the days that he will have apple juice... On the days that he thinks, don't fancy it today, I'll just ask for it because that's what I usually ask for. Yeah, I know I like it, but it comes in like, don't fancy it. And it means so much more for us. But for them, it's just change my mind. That's it. I know it's, it's like, you know, like, you know, as a parent, you're standing there going, but what do you mean you don't want it? You just asked me for it. Right there. And, you know, yeah, but the moment's been... gone, right? So yeah. there's so much more in the moment that that moment's already gone. It's done. It's done. Um, it's it's done, done. And now he's on to the next moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for us, we're still there. Seeing, you know, we're like, you know, hooked on this. It's like, okay, let's bring it back. Because you did say that you want to. I didn't just make that up. You know, I'm not force feeding you. I heard you say it with my own ears. And I've done this before. I have argued with my then three-year-old. I remember arguing with him you know a three-year-old sitting on the little booster seat you know he'd asked for I can't remember what it was and I did that just one more mouthful because he's at all four of my kids he's the slightest one he's the one that my mum will say he's wasting away you know you feed this kid up he's going to waste away like it's fine honestly but at the time just maybe not being confident or trying to do what I thought was right feeding just two more mouthfuls you know just one more mouthful the one more mouthful, he projectile vomited right in my face. <laughs> it was chicken tikka. <laughs> and I sat there and thought, this is great. <laughs> just all my life, I just thought, this in the, my, you know, in my whole mothering experience, this has just got to be, you know, this says it all really right now. So, you know, there's, yes, we can try and help our kids along, but really what do we want for them? Kids don't have a self-destruct button. They they won't starve themselves. They will come to you. They will eat. But also they know themselves really well. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a story of a friend of mine, her little boy. Um, in Russian cooking, there's a lot of tomato-based foods. And 
he doesn't like tomatoes and she used to go mad because she'd be like you know all this stuff I'm cooking is pretty much tomato based and he wouldn't eat it so then she um she thought okay I'm sure he likes tomatoes he just doesn't like the you know the texture of them so she'd hide it in the food so she'd you know liquidize it and use that as a source still wasn't having any of it you know really you know they'd argue they would dinner times were just a nightmare in her household anyway I think it was a year later or maybe even two years later he began to develop really severe eczema and when they took him to the doctors and did a load of like um, dietitian um, tests on him and everything he was actually um, he had an intolerance to tomatoes and so it's you know when he was saying I don't like it I don't like it it tastes funny he's in a wisdom was saying he knows his body but it was coming out i don't like tomatoes and this is you like well the tomatoes are good for you you have to eat them he knew his body and he was intolerant to them and it was making him ill so if you you know child doesn't like tomatoes what's the what's the worst thing that can happen if he doesn't eat them you know it might be not great for him that's really cool and i've heard that i've heard a story like that before mm-hmm. um with tomatoes actually okay yeah they're quite a, you know a big one aren't they yeah and yeah, a lot of people are. I don't I hate tomatoes so I don't eat them so they're right like, okay so do you love cucumbers because you or do you do you love salads are you I am a bit of a salad person yeah right okay so the so, fact that Leo doesn't is that more of a kind of well I like them it's more like I see other kids eat them and so I'm just curious about yeah. What's different? Why do they like them and my son doesn't? And so I'm curious about actually what, I mean, and I guess it's separate realities. I guess mm-hmm. it's every child is different to what they want and what they don't want. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm curious. So what is you, Farah, what are you working with your clients? What have you seen that's really worked around food? Not making it a big deal. That's yeah. the biggest thing. Just not so what does that mean? Because it means no. things to different people. Yes, it does. I mean, I think with regards to, so I've not, I'm just trying to think, bring it down to my children, I guess I've had the most experience with it. And so with regards to my kids, it was very much, dinner times used to be kind of a military operation. It was, you know, they had to be fed by five, you know, if they weren't fed by five, you know, then that was it, all hell was going to break loose. So they had to be fed by five. So whatever they were doing, five o'clock came, they had to be at the dinner table with the knives and forks ready. You really? know, and, oh, you wow. Know. Yeah. And yes, I had a lot of, um, a lot of thinking around dinner times in general. And so, yeah, not great, but again, all my issues, but yes, it all was part and parcel of if they were at dinner table by five o'clock, they had their dinner at five, they ate all of their dinner. They had a very balanced meal and then they had enough time to relax and chill out before they went to bed, um, at seven. So again, it was quite regimented. And I found that I was making it all about the logistics of, of, of the event rather than the, you know, what is it that I was trying to do? And, you know, we, we need fuel. That's food. That's what food is. It's fuel for us, you know, and that's what we need. So when I took it away from what, for me, it was taking away the inference that meal times were bigger than what they were. So now I'll give you an example of now what happens. They help me lay the table. We talk about their day. And then I tell them, some of them help me cook. Some of them help me, you know, prepare. They will all help me bring the stuff over to the dinner table and we'll be chatting as we're doing it. So it's not, you know, like ringing this bell, five o'clock dinner time, eat up, rubs up, 
that's it. You have to eat all of it. And, you know, like barking orders at them, which I used to. I was, oh my goodness, I don't, I don't even know why I'm telling you this because I'm not putting myself in the best of lights here. But, you know, I used to be that kind of military mum that everything had to be done a certain way. And now it's completely different. It's, there's no, you must eat all of it. There is no, there's no, we don't talk about the food. It's just put on the table. And as we're chatting, we're dishing up and we're chatting about our day. So the food is incidental. It's the conversation that's the real big part. It's the conversation that's the main event. And the food is incidental to that. So if they don't like something, it's not a, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a bit upset. Yeah, not a bit, a bit upset, but I can't tell mummy I don't like it. It's, I won't just, I just won't pick that out of the bowl. I won't, you know, plate that up for myself. I'll choose something else. So we have various different bowls and um, they pick out what they want. The only, I say the, um, I don't say anything, but the only rule is, and now it's an unspoken rule is, if you've taken it, then please kindly eat it. Take as little as you want, first of all. And then if you're still hungry, please go ahead. But just eat what you have in your plate because I don't like food wastage. And that was another big thing. Oh, I yeah. would be, I, you know, I would be the one that would go around hoovering up my kids' leftovers because I didn't want it to go to waste. So I wouldn't end up plating my own food up. Literally, I'd have a mishmash of all of their food. You know, sitting. Yeah, there no, no, I hear you because that's me. Oh, I hate God, Yes. So I really love that. I really love the fact that that the the actual event is the conversation, not the food. I love yeah. that. That that. That really does something for me. Um, let's not focus on the thing. It's a bit yeah. like when you focus on the problem as opposed yeah. to actually, like with kids, they just need a distraction. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, I, and I don't feel that I'm conning them, you know, into eating their dinner. Because, you know, at first I thought, you know, is, is this right? Is this ethically, you know, you know, like it's, you know, when you're trying to feed your child something, you're like, okay, here comes the aeroplane. It's really exciting. And here you go. And here's a whole mouthful of something that you are really not liking, you know. But, you just... know, what's really interesting is that, like, Leo sometimes asks me to feed him. Now I know he can feed himself. Yep. Okay. Um, but I used to judge it and now I don't because what I see is, is just an opportunity for us to connect. So he's not asking me to do it because he wants me to feed him. What he's asking is for us to connect. Definitely. And yeah, definitely. And that was a really big deal for me because often you're like, well, no, you know how to eat, right? Yeah, definitely. And we take it to mean something else. Yeah. Yeah. And what I've come to see is is his way of saying, mummy, I want to connect with you. When he asked me like, mummy, I want to play. Yeah. um, It's his way of saying, I want to connect with you. Um, What's interesting. Okay. So far we've talked about, you know, having dinner at the table. Mm -hmm. Like I know that as a single mum, part of the time, it's so when I'm cooking and he's the only child, it's easy for him to just, for me to just plonk him in front of the television and watch something. Now he's got into the habit of eating in front of the television. Yep. Okay. And so there are times where if we invite people over for dinner, not a problem. He'll come and sit at the table and we'll eat. Mm -hmm. But when it's just him and me. Mm -hmm. So what's so wrong with that? But exactly, like I'm just curious. I'm I'm really glad you said that because there are parts of me that go, Ooh, and then there's another part going, oh well, oh, just just like how it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, we have a no screens at the dinner table um, uh, policy <laughs> rule. You know, well, no, you should, 
it's it said no you know we, we don't have like phones or tablets or anything at the dinner table however there are some days where we will sit down in front of the tv and you know it doesn't happen a lot but it happens but what's the worst that can happen you know there's i remember as a kid and a friend of mine said this to me and she was like, what are you worried about? And I said, you know, that they're watching too much TV, that they're not eating enough vegetables, that they're not, you know, doing all of this, that they're not playing outside enough. And she was like, Do you remember back to your childhood? I was like, yep. Because how many days did you spend watching television? You know, if a weekend, what did you do? do? You know, and I went, I watched a lot of TV, to be fair. I did. I watched a hell of a lot of television. She goes, and um, has that affected you in the way that you seem to think that this imagined future for your children, that they will be affected? My, well, I, I hope that I'm kind of a well-rounded individual, but I don't think watching a lot of television whilst I was younger has affected me. She's like, so what are you worried about then? I said, I don't know that they'll just become so entuned in this box and not live life. And she was like, well, yes, there is a possibility that that could happen, but it's more than likely not going to. It didn't happen for you and the other people that are around. I mean, I don't, I, yes, there are a lot of cases of children that, you know, do spend a lot of time in front of screens nowadays, but I'm just thinking for me growing up, I know it was a different time, but the fears that I have for my kids, um, you know, not eating certain things. Like when I was younger, I hated tomatoes and I hated mushrooms and I hated certain things I love them now but not eating them then didn't have a catastrophic event you know effect on me now but I'm worried I've already you know told myself this story for a future of this future for my children where they're going to be you know have scurvy because they've not eaten enough vegetables and you know and and, and be antisocial just you know sitting in their rooms the whole time because they've been allowed to play the xbox or they've been allowed to watch television whilst they're eating we need to give ourselves a break what's the worst that can happen really yeah i love that so um what i'm really hearing from this conversation is you know things happen things are um and then there's the amount of judgment we place on the food the behavior the yeah. this the that whether it's bad whether it's good Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of these rules that we make around, around mm-hmm. those things and rules that make sense to us. Cause you could go yeah. to another household, right. And where that's not the case. No. So it's really about, um, what works for you and what doesn't work for you, your environment, mm-hmm. because it makes, it's a big difference between having a four person family to having and help, you know, the extra body there yeah. to ha- not yeah. having that and kind yeah. of going, Uh. (laughs) Well, when you're sitting down with him or when he's sitting down watching television are are you with him or are you around are you doing well yeah i'm around i'm always around and then he'll he'll come and say mommy come and sit with me so i will lovely so again it's another it's another like you say it's a way of connecting it's a way of you know you sitting down next to him yes the tv's on and he may very well be watching tv but he might just be popping a few words over to you as well it might spark up a little bit of conversation but that's still time that you're together he knows that you're there what's so wrong in that i don't i don't see that there's anything yeah, wrong right with and so this comes this comes back to this comes back to all of that thinking that we have. Mm-hmm. And for any of you mums that are listening to this, this is how we all experience life. We all have stories. We all have beliefs and constructs based on usually from how we were brought in, you know, yes. our conditioning. Cause I remember my mother having all of these rules and all of these regulations about food. Right. And, okay. and so um, I remember distinctly sitting on the stairs cause we used to have a door that used to lock. Um, 
into the stair, going up the stairs mm-hmm. and crying my eyes out because she basically said to me, until you decide you're going to eat this fish, you're, right. you're, I thought I didn't like fish. Yeah. So it was always this big pressure yeah. point, but also yeah. at school, there was this lady, horrible, horrible, um, headmistress, mm-hmm. um, who you couldn't leave the table until you'd eaten everything on your plate. And so cabbage was something that I could not okay. stomach. Mm-hmm. I, I regurgitated it one time and she made Oh, it. no. She made you eat it. Oh. Eat it. So I, I had a bit of an unhealthy, um, bit of an unhealthy, like, relationship with food so that really kicked in when I was about 13 14 when so did became, food be control for you then yeah that, massive yeah. right so I became anorexic I was anorexic wow. for years from my mother she was a ballerina so she hardly ate anything right. so there was this yeah. stuff going on at home that was not yeah. said per se yeah. um but there was a lot of rules and things yeah. and can't eat this and you know, it has to be super healthy. And, yeah. um, yeah. and so over time, you know, with this beautiful understanding I've got mm-hmm. over from my eating disorder, but also, um, I've got a lot more relaxed around food. Like I couldn't eat certain things and now I pre- eat pretty much everything. Yes. Um, it's a, it, for me, it's turned from a place of addiction or a place of control into a place of health. Yes, more than anything else, and which so, but, but but which is fine. It's just mm-hmm. a question of now that that is the the space that I'm in, how that comes out in terms of right. the way I'm seeing it for Leo. Yes, for him, it, it's not a it's not a thing of health. It's a thing of I need this right now. I'm yes. hungry. Yes. What do you have to give me? Yeah. Yes. And it's, I mean, kids are very, they're very clever, aren't they? They don't see the whole politics behind food, the whole control, the whole, you know, the whole issue. They don't see it. They just, you know, rumbling tummy, feed me. And yes, they're going to have a, you know, an inkling or, um, you know, kind of a, a preference, maybe some children prefer sweeter stuff, you know, my uh, three-year-old daughter, my youngest daughter, when she's hungry, she'll go, mommy, I need olives. I need olives right now. And she'll have the really like um, really soury type olives as well. The, um, the, the black olives. And she'll, she'll sit there and she'll just eat them like they're going out of fashion. Whereas my eldest one, he's already told me that he's allergic to fruit and vegetables. He said, I have a condition, mum. You know, I am allergic, really. But it's, it's just what they will want. And it, but I think it's also what you, if I was to lay out a whole, table full of every kind of exotic fruit vegetable you know everything on the table and you know just lay it out there and say help yourself they can only choose what's on that table they're going to find something they might not find a lot of things but they're going to find something that you know that maybe appeals to them also I think as well the way that we eat and so I know it's a little bit off topic off topic but baby led weaning when they're a child letting them experience the food and touch the food and you know just smell it and it takes I think 13 times before you can create a habit so if they don't like something one time persevere but not force just keep offering it because you know they may very well take it the seventh eighth ninth tenth time and if they don't it doesn't matter what does someone who doesn't like broccoli mean what does it mean (laughs) you know it's not like it's a condition it's like like my name's farah 
and I don't like broccoli. You know, it doesn't mean anything. It means that I don't like broccoli, but there are other things that I will eat. There are other things that my children yeah, eat. Yeah, and, and I've and I've totally like my my thing around that is just completely changed. So I'm all good. I'm all good with the green. Um, yes. And and interestingly enough, now Leo's curious about green. Yeah. He'll taste it. You know, there, and I'm like, fine, that's fine. It's all fine. good. Like, whatever. Um, yeah. So what I've really heard in this is that is when we get quiet around food, when we don't make it into a big thing, when we mm -hmm. see that actually it's our conditioning mm -hmm. um, that can create more resistance in the child. Most definitely. Most definitely. Then, then we can maybe see a difference. I'm curious, do you have any stories around that? Like when you drop some thinking or when your clients have dropped some thinking, when they've definitely. had an insight yeah. that things really it's... change for them? Do, do you have a story to share before we... Before we... I do. I'm. I'm just thinking about my um, my brother actually, and so actually no, I'm not going to tell you about my brother because yeah, that, that's a family thing. It's not a problem. It's, I'm going to tell you about a young lady that I've worked with, and she um, absolutely lovely young lady. You know, going off to she's um, in university. She had a, a lot of thinking around not specifically food, but as, um, around social events. So she used to get very, very, very anxious in social events with regards to you know, hanging out with her friends. She wasn't the most confident of young girls and she had absolutely everything going for her. You know, from the outside point of view, you could see her and you just think, wow, you're amazing. She had a little bit of an issue you know, seeing that for herself and going out to dinner with her friends or going out for something to eat was a little bit of an issue for her. It wasn't eating per se, but it was the whole social conduct of going to, you know, going out with her mates and, you know, how she interacts with them. And it was things like ordering stuff off the menu that, you know, having to make that decision. So you're in a restaurant and you've got the menu in front of you. And then, you know, I've done it loads of times where I think, I actually don't know. There's too much choice. I don't really know what I want. I want it all and I don't want any of it, you know. So she would order things that she thought would make her look more popular. I know that sounds really off, you know, really silly, but she thought if she ordered, say, I don't know, the salad nissoirs, you know, sounds lovely, doesn't it? You know, people who eat salad nissoirs are, are a certain type of person, let's just say. So she would order things that she didn't really actually like, didn't even really actually know what they were, but they sounded like they made her look like a certain type of person. So for her, it was all about portraying this persona of, you know, being accepted within the group. But with regard, you know, and I worked with her for a little while and a lot of stuff drops for her because it's when we take things outside of us to define who we are inside. When you truly see that they can't, that that stuff doesn't matter, you know. Like my son is behaving this way, therefore that means something about me when it absolutely doesn't. Nothing, nothing at all. Or, yeah, it's, you know, just, or if he doesn't have what he's just asked you for, you know, you've paid for it. He's ordered this thing and you've paid for it and you've put it in front. It's like, I don't fancy it, mum. Like, really? So, it, you know, it doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, a bad mum. It doesn't mean anything about you. And for her, she, it took a little while, but it was really about what other people, what you think other people think of you, what you think your interactions, what you're eating, what, what it means for other people. And what it really means for you is, nothing 
it means nothing whether you order the nicest thing on the menu or whether you don't, whether you eat all of your dinner or whether you don't, whether you, I don't know, just have that one more mouthful or whether you don't. It doesn't mean, it doesn't define you as who you are. You know, fussy eaters, I, I really, really don't like that term because there are no fussy eaters. It's not about eating. It's about your thinking like it all is. It's about how you're feeling in that moment. So yeah, I don't know if that helps, but a lot of the thinking dropped her when she realized that things outside of her did not define who she was. And it didn't make her more confident. It didn't make her more likable. She was great the way that she was. It wasn't her choices. It wasn't her outward you know, how she came across in this world that was the most important thing. It's how she felt inside. And that dropped for her completely. I mean, and she's fine, you know, and we all are. We all are fine. Our kids are fine. It's just we worry for them. It's the stories we tell ourselves. If my child doesn't eat greens, then they're going to be unhealthy. You know, if they don't eat all their dinner, you know, or, you know, or if they have dessert before their dinner, they're not going to want to have their dinner. Or if they don't eat all of this, I've just wasted all my money. Well, Okay, fair enough. It you know is a bit of a kick in the teeth to, to spend out for something that's not been eaten. Okay, but at that moment in time, it's just your child saying, "I don't fancy it right now," but it's what we make of it. It's 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 what we make that to mean for us. Thank you, Farah. This has been really enlightening. Um, so, if anybody wants to connect with you over over, over I'm on over Facebook. Facebook. Over, over. Well, well, I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm on Instagram, but it's uh, Farah Parenting in Peace. Um, Farah Parenting in Peace Coach. And if you just search for that in Facebook and on Instagram, I'm there. So yeah, hit me up. Wonderful. Well, you know what I really got from today is that it's really about what works for you as a mum. There are no rules, uh, and everybody's you know experience is going to be different. And the more we attempt to push this on our children, the more resistance we're going to get. And what I really heard was that actually you can get creative with it, right? Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Go to them, places you did think you would. Yeah. You know. Offer them choice. Yeah. Get them to use their portions, mm-hmm. uh, change things up. Yeah. Um, but don't make, and, and I loved, I love that the actual event is about the conversation versus the food. I love that. To me, that, that's that was what they will get. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times when it's not, you know, it, it, it can be about the food, but mainly if it's, it's taking a step back, it's letting go of things and not making it an issue. But like, you well, say, it makes sense to me. Like, you know, you can either ignore the, the mosquito bite or you can go and, and, and scratch it until it bleeds yeah. and then worry about the fact that now you're going to have a scar or whatever. Yes. So you can really yeah. focus on it or you can actually yeah. make it as part of something else. Yeah. Um, but, but to understand that, that it's our, ourselves that is creating that. So yes, please, like if you're having any issues and you want to know more about Farah's work, then please hit her up. And so thank you, Farah. Until the next time. Bye-bye for now. Take care. Bye. And there we have it. Another amazing episode of The Joy of Being. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may well enjoy the book as well. You can either download a free chapter, www.marinapearson.com slash chapter, where I go into much more depth into how we can create more time and space as mum. And if that doesn't fly and you're more curious about getting the entire book, then you can do that too at www.marinapearson.com slash book. Until the next time. Remember, you are the joy you seek.